Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 104 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I'm Josh, and you guys know I'm down with MCP. Yeah, yeah you, you know, know me. me. Yeah. That just happened. Delete. Yeah, it was terrible. End of line. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you didn't get those jokes, folks, then... Uh, it's going to be a long me. hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody see Tron, the movie Tron? Yes. So we're, uh, yeah, Tron. We watched Tron this last week. Tron and Tron Legacy. Oh, I thought they said they were doing the show on Flan. Oh, damn it. You ate nothing but pudding for an entire week, didn't you? <laughs> Some of our listeners, perhaps. Randy. Claxton. <laughs> what? Hey. He's going to figure out you're talking about him and hunt you down. Yeah. As long as we don't say his name two more times, we're all right. He and Charlie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Did a form up. That is the most horrifying thing I've ever heard in my life. Those two <laughs> both pairing up. Ah, oh. uh, you know what else is a great pair, Josh? What's that? Uh, probably at least two of them. <laughs> Sorry, I left Jack. Yeah. I believe you jackass. The musings are you talking to? No, I was going to say Bert and Ernie, dick. <laughs> No, I, I was going to segue from that, but I don't think the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network network has any shows about Bert and Ernie's dick. <laughs> nope. <laughs> just, <laughs> they I got but you know, they do have a bunch of great geek-themed podcasts. Such as? Such as, brand new to the network, <gasps> the Warpod. Warpod? Yeah, the Warpod. Sweating the small stuff. Uh, the Lucky 10,000. The Bearded Ones. Green Up. Dark and Angels and Pretty Freaks. And the comic Ernie's the Lost Years. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you say Ernest the Lost Years? No, Bert and Ernie the Lost Years. Oh, I'd watch both of those actually. Yeah, you can also <laughs> find us on the Music of a Geek Podcast Network as well as uh, on Geek Life Radio Saturdays at noon. Yes. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you would like to give us some ideas or leave us some listener feedback, you can get us on 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727, and also our older shows on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And iTunes has even more shows. Yeah, it's reaching all the way back into Bat Month now. Yeah. Uh-uh. <clears throat> oh, halfway there. Yep, about halfway there, but there's a lot of good shows in there. Uh, so go back, listen to our back catalog, and tell us what you think. Let us know. Leave us some reviews on iTunes. Love that sort of thing. So That'd be sweet. Uh, speaking of sweet, do we have any voicemails today? Uh, we do have some voicemails, including uh, one from someone we haven't heard from in a long time. Uh, would you like to hear it? Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's calling in to let you know that I listen to your show. And, uh, oh, here we go. Hey, 40 going on 14. It's Big Leg Pete. Sorry, I haven't called in a while. Uh, my phone, for some reason, stopped updating your feed. And so I thought you guys had gone on hiatus after the True Grid episode. Um, oh, wow. So anyway, I just finished listening to the Dungeons & Dragons episode. And I'm going to try to make this not a million hours long, but I could basically talk Dungeons & Dragons for a million hours. Uh, just to say that, uh, so the only edition of D&D that I didn't play was first edition. I uh, started in the 90s with second, played some of that, played a little bit of third edition, never really liked it. Uh, 3.5 was slightly better, but I didn't really dig that either. Played a little bit of Pathfinder, like like a game or two, so uh, played a shitload of fourth edition. Uh, like, I ran a campaign basically for the entire length of that edition. We started right after the edition came out and then stopped right before the edition ended. I uh, got all the way to like 14th or 15th level. Um, 
really dug that, but it kind of bogged down in the higher levels like a lot of games do. I'm currently playing 5th edition uh, online uh, over a website called Roll20, which is fantastic. Uh, I'm playing with... Uh, <laughs> I'm playing with... Uh, Joel would know these guys, Harry Trucker and Random Ian, and a couple <laughs> of other people. Uh, and I've got to say, so far, 5th edition is my favorite edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, they basically taken all of the good stuff from all of the previous editions and kind of put it together into one. Uh, so I'm really digging it. And just to make this voicemail not go on forever, I will stop now. Uh, hopefully <laughs> talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> I hear from Pete. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, obviously. Yeah, where's he been? Well, oh, he, not listening to the show. That's where he's yeah. been. <laughs> yeah, apparently when we had the problems with our feed earlier in the year, he just thought we stopped making shows. So the good news is you've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. I wonder if they have, still have that sweet illustration for the invisible stalker in the new... <laughs> uh, I don't see what you did there. Ah, very nice. Let's see. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dink. <laughs> How long ago was True Grit? Oh, wow. Man. Uh... I know Fortnite. It was winter. At least. <laughs> Fortnite. Uh, episode 83. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, he's got like 20. That's a lot of hours to listen to. A lot of That's us. good. It's a lot of us to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> it's like knowing me. Yeah. It's a lot to deal with. Did you just make, a, like, was that like a penis reference? No, no it's more, it more like a tolerance reference, but we can go with penis if you want. Hey, is there any other voicemails? <laughs> voicemails? Do you have more voicemails? Oh, yeah, we got one more. <laughs> Jerks. Here we go. Man, I can't believe it. I suggested Artie's show, and you guys say no, can't do it. You and Bruce Campbell, you're talking about Harrison Ford. Man, make sure you really want to grab a weapon. <laughs> Just kidding, it's wrong. Uh, met you guys at Gen Con, had a blast. You guys are awesome. Mike, that red beer was horrible. Can't believe how bad it was. But, you know, you can't waste beer, even if it's horrible. Shows have been great. Really like the uh, movies episode and the Bruce Campbell. Bubba uh, Hotep is a classic and a half, definitely. And I will wish you guys a good one and wish you continued success. Take care. Bye. Thank you. To and say I that I totally fell for the Charlie impression uh, <laughs> at first. Mostly because I get the transcriptions of all of the uh, emails, so this was a surprise to me. That was actually... That, I th I, yeah, I thought it was Charlie at first. Yeah. yeah. He did a good job. He's a nice guy, too. I liked him. Yeah. And you're right, that be that uh, red beer was shit. Uh, you guys <laughs> should have had the wit. And I'm not I, talking about Jay. I'm talking I was about say, the beer. I had the wit. Yeah, we all we should all have the wit. Let us yeah. have the wit now. I, I <laughs> drank... So many of those. Let us drink the wit. At the ram that I could barely see straight. Let us cut a wit into small edible pieces. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on, but I like it. <laughs> what's going on is that it is so about that time. Is it about that time? Oh, yeah. All right. It is about that time. Music. So, welcome to This Week in 1982, the year Tron was released. 
Are we yeah. not going to even acknowledge that new intro? Yes, we're we are going to gloss over that. Yeah, I gonna, think you just did. Yeah, you just acknowledged it. We're okay, trying. Well, we're trying out a new. Uh, trying out a new intro, and tell us what you think. I liked it. Well, thank you. Easy to dance to. <laughs> totally. I give it a uh, uh, six point eight out of five stars. I give it three out of twelve yams. <laughs> I give it four out of six J's. No one ever pays me in yams. All right, so 1982 <laughs> was the year that Tron was released. And uh, can I have a virtual showing of hands of everybody who thought it was later than that? Did hmm. Anybody else think that it was like, I thought it was a little bit later, like 85, 86 when this came out. I probably would have guessed 84 if someone had asked me what year it came out. I was raising my hand. I thought it was later. Uh, well, good. Um, no, I just thought, it, I don't know, my mind was just later than that. But I guess 82 is the year that we've got, and it is the year in music. Steve of Miller the Ram. Bands. I'm yeah. sorry. You're the Ram? Ooh. Well, that's uh, just a joke. Oh. You know, Ram character. Uh, Ram. And uh, Pat's favorite song, Steve Miller's Abracadabra, <laughs> hits number one, followed by Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. You don't like Abracadabra, do you? Not no, at all. Not. Oh, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, it's really, really not good. I mean, and I only feel that strongly about it because I like every other song pretty much the Steve Miller Band does, and I hate that one so much. This is it just more proof of my theorem, honestly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't want to make you reach down and grab you? And choke you. For those who don't listen to every episode, I do have a theory that um, anyone, any musical act that was good and popular and awesome in the 70s sucked in the 80s, and this is just another proof in my theorem. You should probably amend it to ones that were primarily popular in the seventies. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like they established their 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 uh, rock godhood, whatever you want to say, in the seventies. Yeah. Just saying, there's, there's obviously like Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner, Fog yeah. Hat. Well, no, Tina Turner, I would even throw in there. Her eighties, I don't like her eighties songs. We don't need don't another need hero, hero. Private Dancer. Those are crap. Oh, I right. agree with you on Private Dancer. We don't need yes. another hero. Two minute, one minute. Shut up, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So September third and fifth is the first U.S. festival. It's held over Labor Day weekend near Devore. Devore. Yeah, go with it. Devore, California, featuring the police and the acronym of the week: TPNTH. That's a uh, toilet paper in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> I need TP for my bunghole. Oh, yes. Just a bunch of guys in toilets on the stage. Yeah, their first album was kind of shitty. Oh. 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 The second one was really corny. Oh. And they got flushed. Yeah, we're not going on know, a run on this album, joke. They were nuts. All right, what was it, Josh? Uh, uh, that's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Fleetwood Mac, Grateful Dead, Talking Heads, and the B-52s. One of these bands is not like the other. <laughs> Which one? Grateful <laughs> Dead is jam band, obviously. Oh, well, okay. Is that what you're going to run with? All right. I'll be um, watching you. Wow. Um, that actually would be a pretty damn good show. Pretty, pretty amazing show, actually. Yeah. Um, it's Hard is the 10th studio album by The Who and was released on September 4th, 1982. It was their last album until 2006's Endless Wire, and therefore the last to feature bassist John Entwistle, who died in 2002, and it was also the final Who album with drummer Kenny Jones. That's kind of sad. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Well, there's, there must always be death in the twee. Yep. So, movies, The Concrete Jungle and The Incubus are both released on September 3rd. That's a good day. I've seen the, I know The Concrete Jungle. What's The Incubus? Uh, another, uh, Exorcist rock, uh, ripoff. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a horror movie. 
I'm just saying like, September third is a good day. Is that the one with the with like the no prophecy? That the prophecy. That's something with like. So the incubus is the one with um the the rape scene. The demon that, rapes the woman. I'm trying to think. Is that the one with um uh George C. Scott, or George Siegel or George George C. Scott? I'm looking it yeah, up here. Uh, real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a John John Hugh movie. John Hugh. John Cassavetes was in it. I just looked it up. Um, they are attacked. Roy is murdered. My, Mandy is violently raped, and then bad things happen. Demon wise, and then bad things happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's already a pretty shitty day. God. It's like this, is like, this is the end. He's like, uh, something not so cool happened last night. <laughs> All right. So uh, in the meantime. <laughs> Shahizi Sambid Abdul Samad, known as Sam to his friends, is born on September 4th, is a Malaysian actor, singer, and producer who was known as a young star in the 1990s before rising to fame in the controversial movies Bohsia, Jangan Piljalan Hitam, and Adan Sempit. Man, really, we're Pat? seriously digging for shit this week, weren't you? <laughs> really, Pat? Good God. Good yeah. Oh, Sam bin Abdul Samad. Nothing. Absolutely. I mean, I I grew up with his stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the <laughs> only one? Wasn't he a toilet paper in the guy all over my room? <laughs> I got the he's action like, figure. He's got his. He's got a uh, action Shahizi. Don't you remember him? He was Sam and Diane. Come on. But <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Anyway, uh, Pat, you're you're. Go stand on the corner. This uh, was uh, this was a horrible week. I couldn't find any kind of information. So I mean, you went TV to Bollywood. Is only, only had one thing in it. All right, TV. The top shows are sixty minutes, Dallas, Mash, and Magnum PI. Mustache. And on September seventh, the musical Cats began its eighteen-year run on Broadway. That's TV. I had, I had nothing. Eventually, I saw parts of Cats on TV. Okay. How is that TV, Pat? I left. I only had one thing for TV, so it I just became threw part else of me. There. It's been on TV before, so there you go. All right. Sport on September 6th. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates retire Willie Stargell's number. Uh, the Kansas City Royals, George Brett, gets yes. his 1,500th hit on August 30th. Nice. That's a lot of hits. That is a lot of hits. That's how many Pat's taken. Yeah. Tonight. Probably more. Uh, Joanne Carter wins the LPGA Herringen Golf Classic on, also on August 31st. We gotta get yeah, somebody to edit, sorry, that was, edit that this that shit. Was, yeah. That was <laughs> bad typesetting. On and on. Alright, so that is this weekend, and as we've been saying. Hey, we got exit music now. Yeah. This weekend outro, I love it. Nice. Yeah. Now we're on to the main show, which is Tron. Welcome, programs. <laughs> End of line. All right, so then, 1982, a computer hacker is abducted into the digital world and forced to participate in gladiatorial games where his only chance of escape is with the help of a heroic security program. Name Tron. So, because it wouldn't have made much sense. Well, it would have made more sense, but wouldn't have been as cool sounding if they had called it Flynn. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah. in a lot of ways, Flynn, he's maybe the protagonist all the way through the movie, but I don't know that you could call him the hero. He's definitely not the driving force, mm. not as much as the Tron is and Alan. Yeah, from beginning to end, he is the character whose storyline you're supposed to identify with. But, yeah, the, the person who actually is the hero is Tron. Yeah. Or the, the program, rather. I guess he would be like the catalyst of the story. I yeah. thought it was about Dillinger. You would. Man. So, 
uh, starring Jeff Bridges as a very, very young Jeff Bridges. Yeah, no kidding. Yes. As uh, Kevin Flynn, former employee at NCOM, who is beamed into the NCOM mainframe by the computer. Uh, Jeff Bridges also plays Clue, uh, the uh, codified likeness utility, a hacking program intended to find evidence of Dillinger's theft in the mainframe, who has an amazing scream before he's true. The, tra- the tank runs into the uh, into the wall. Anybody except for Josh? I thought it was entertaining. I thought yes. it was cool. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> that was that? really good. Was oh, it I... Elmo or Dobby? <laughs> <laughs> Mike knows what that was. That was a bit. Mm. A bit much. Ah. Yeah, shut up, man. Bruce Boxenlinder is Alan Bradley, friend of Flynn's and employee at Encom also. He also plays Tron and was the, the aforementioned security program. Yeah, and Bruce Boxleitner is one of two uh, Babylon 5 uh, cast members who got their big start in this film. Also, Peter Jurassic, who's at the bottom of the list. Now, did Bruce uh-huh. Boxleitner get a start here, or did he get a start with uh, Scarecrow and Mrs. King? I, okay, he, he got oh. a start with Scarecrow and Mrs. King. You're right. This is kind of his breakout into geek culture, though. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. His television debut was what made him most famous up until Babylon 5. Yeah, and, and Are we sure? sure? It's a pretty good show. Scarecrow and Mrs. King didn't start till 83. Oh, then maybe this started his springboarding into Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Interesting. Yeah, very nice. Either Which way, I watched that show. Yeah, Bruce Boxenler, pretty badass in this one. Yes. Um, David Warner is Ed Dillinger. Security executive, uh, senior executive at NCOM, uh, playing the bad guy in many, many movies through his entire life. Well, he's got <laughs> one of those faces. Like, he'd be playing Snape right now. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, he played um, the ultimate evil in uh, uh, Time Bandits. Remember that? Oh, yep. yeah. yeah. He's got a resting dick face. I love that movie. He And he, he plays a, like a... Resting dick face. Yes. It's <laughs> a great flick. Your first <laughs> album... <laughs> no, he plays the uh, villain who is hatted up to here with everybody very well. Yeah. Why can't I just get some, you know, like quality minions? <laughs> Didn't resting dickface do her with uh, <laughs> toilet paper in the hole? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No. Uh, Why is it that all of my most popular acronyms of the week are about butts? <laughs> no. <laughs> Must you? Does you really need to find out the answer to that? It's yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Cindy Morgan is also in this as Yori and as Doctor Laura Baines, uh, the coworker and coder and girlfriend to Walter Gibbs. Bernard Hughes as no assistant to Walter Gibbs, not girlfriend. That would make Walter Gibbs very happy. Yeah. Uh, uh, do, you, do you recognize her, Cindy Morgan? Yep. No. Yeah. Yep. Caddyshack. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lacey Underalls and Caddyshack. Absolutely. That's right. And, and yeah, she went on to do pretty much nothing past there. A nope. lot of B movies, a lot of TV spots. Um, Bernard Hughes is Dr. Walter Gibbs as, uh, Dumont, also the Guardian programming the input output junctions. And did anybody else recognize him as his other really big role in our movies? What a great oh. character. He's the grandfather from, uh, Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, did, I actually did look that up. I just, I forgot. Yeah. So. You know. Great character actor. Yeah. yeah. Great character actor. And another one of those great characters that's just exalted, just had it up to here with this bullshit. <laughs> uh, Dan Shore as Ram, an actuarial program who winds up fighting in the mainframe and is also the popcorn guy. Yeah, the guy who's just randomly like, hey, can I have some of your popcorn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bruce Bachman, yeah, fine. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> 
Uh, Peter Jurassic as Crom, the accounting program who fights against Flynn, against Flynn on the game grid. And then oh, he is such a good actor. I am a Peter? huge Peter Jurassic fan. He's one of my favorite uh, actors from Babylon 5. Oh, so I'm a Babylon fan of his Earth. park. I've always been a big fan of his park. Oh, Jesus. Damn it, Joel. All right. Well, who so, didn't know that was coming? Nah, that's true. That's, that's true. what it she had, said. We got it out of his system. Yes. Now we can move on. Uh, some trivia. The film was disqualified from receiving an Academy Award nomination this year for special effects because the Academy felt at the time that using computers was cheating. What? Wow. <laughs> yeah. They well, were. I mean, if people weren't clueless about computers, this movie probably wouldn't have been made. That's to be true. fair. That's true. Um, Jeff Bridges. Now, I want to say, point this out, <laughs> that Suzanne was the one who noticed this, that... Uh, Jeff Bridges had like a little sturt, little his his tunic went down a little bit lower than everybody else's. So I'm proud of my wife for that. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bridges produced too much of a bulge in the crotch area in his computer outfit, so he was forced to wear a dance belt to conceal it. <laughs> Strap that thing down, Jeff. <laughs> what man? Oh man, come on, man. I just really like the grid. Really, man. Ah. <laughs> How can you tell I'm a user? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tron is also a debugging command using the basic programming language. Did anybody else learn coding in basic? Yes. No. yes. Very, very basic, yeah. <laughs> what was that, Pat? Yes. Yeah, sucked. Um, Affirmative. Yeah. I mean, it means trace on. However, uh, Steven Listberger stated in interviews that he took the name from Electronic and didn't know about the basic command until later, in which his response was, awesome. It means something. <laughs> um I could not have told that the guy who wrote this didn't know much about computers. <laughs> and then in my computers, there's little spiders living in there. <laughs> and tanks. Uh, due to the poor return at the box office following this film and its predecessor, The Black Hole, in 1979, which I thought was fucking amazing. I love every, that movie. Every program you write has puts out a little bit of your soul in it. Disney what? Studios did not make another live-action movie for ten years. Um, at the time, computers could generate a static image, but could not automatically put them into motion. Thus, the coordinates for each image, such as the light cycle, had to be entered individually for each frame. Oh! It took 600 coordinates to get four seconds of film. Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's basically like animation at that point. Oh, yeah. And, yep. and that's cheating? Yeah, seriously. That's cheating. You didn't, like, draw it, man. Uh, each of these coordinates was entered in the computer by hand by the filmmakers. Could you imagine how much... The Academy Awards would be different if they still felt that way. It, it could only get shittier, in my point. <laughs> I mean, movies like, um, uh, like Anything I don't know, Shakespeare in Love would still be able to win Oscars and things like that. But well, none of your action movies. Would Leonardo it. DiCaprio's completely computer generated. So did you know that? Pat? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I mean, seriously though, I mean that's that's ridiculous. The D in DiCaprio stands for DOS. <laughs> I didn't Sorry. know that. Leonardo just... DiCaprio? What the hell? We'll run with it. Um, okay. So did anybody see it in the theater? No. Nope. Pat? I'm pretty sure I did. But, okay, spoiler alert, I didn't care for it, so I really didn't. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay, go figure. So I don't remember much about it, but I'm pretty sure I did see it in, in the theater because my dad uh, wanted to see it, you know, being a computer game geek guy. guy. Yeah, he would see it, so we did see it, but I didn't really remember much about it at all. This was almost like watching it for the first time again. 
Oh, so you see, haven't seen it since? Wow, it's been a long time since you've seen it. Then been a very long time. Yeah. Wow. See, I don't remember seeing the movie in its entirety really until I watched it a few days ago. I just remember having I had one of the the guard like action figures, the guy with the kind of hood and the red, and then I remember playing the video game at the the local swimming pool, like in the uh, what I had the concessions. They called them arcades, Joel. That wasn't a swimming pool. No, there was the swimming pool. They had a they had a video game in oh. the concession stand area. And uh, I remember playing the light cycle like constantly. I oh it. yeah, yeah. I, I, my story is pretty much similar. Like I probably watched the movie, but I barely remember it. But yeah, every Saturday, if I wasn't going to the hot dog stand where they had a Miss Pac Man, or the dime store where they had Elevator Action, I was going to the <sighs> outlet mall where they had Tron. And I probably went to the outlet mall to play Tron more often than either of the other two. Yeah, Tron. Like out of the okay. Well, first off, my my disclaimer: I had not seen this movie when it came out in the theaters. I didn't see it later till uh, video. We got our first VHS record, Ooh, yeah player, and then my mom discovered that if we buy a couple extra cables, we could rent the laserdisc player and dub everything onto VHS. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Christine. Oh, we dubbed the shit out of everything. Um, no, we record. I first time I saw Tron was on laserdisc. And That's I was awesome. enraptured, loved, loved it. Um, just the whole idea of jumping in the computers was amazing. And the video game, I had actually played the video game before I saw the movie. So I had a vague idea, very, very vague idea of what the hell was going on. But, um, no, well, yeah. I mean, who didn't love the sound of the, the light cycles when they were, when they were running on the game? That just, that, that I can't imitate it, but that was my Woody Allen version of it. <laughs> but that's that sound that makes when it, when it would play. I mean, it just I don't know. It's one of those things that just kind of makes me happy whenever I hear it because that was such a fun game. I have a lingering negative impression of my memory of this film. Wait, what? like I thought that it was one that didn't hold up very well, so I didn't uh, have a whole lot of hope for it. And then I watched it again today, and uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. It, you know what it. It holds up in your in your remembering that we knew nothing about computers back then. It's it's a nostalgia. It's a nostalgia trip. The effects definitely don't hold up. I watched it with the girls, and I was like, "Oh man, these effects blew our mind back when it first came out." And they, you know, the, the light cycle scene went by, and they kind of looked at me I'm like, "All right, Dad." I'm like it was '82. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> yeah, thirty years ago. Come on. Yeah. You know, I kind of had the opposite effect because I. I mean, I don't remember seeing it, but when I when I was watching it. I I was like, okay, hold on a second. This was 1982. They're interspersing, you know, live action with this really crudely done CGI something. Um, but if you take it and if you were to take it out of context and put it into like somebody making a movie where they're doing a throwback, uh, you know, to like that old school pixelated whatever, I thought it held up really well. And I was overall like super impressed with it. I was really excited about it. It got me geeked. I think it did a better job of justifying the weirdness of its world than a lot of modern movies do. Like, yeah, it's obvious they weren't uh, hugely, like, into the finer points of how computers work. But when you hear that the guy who is the evil executive basically built his foundation on stealing the video game programs from uh, our hero, Kevin Flynn, and those programs end up getting assimilated because the M master control program that started off as a chess program that uh, eventually gained sentience 
just incorporated every program it could get its hands on to into itself to build the grid. And the first things it would have found would have been Flynn's arcade games. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a couple of other things that I was noticing. The film itself was filmed. They shot the whole movie in black and white. Right. And well, the, oh. the scenes on the grid. Yeah, the, the live action scenes were filmed on uh, in black and white and were um, then ba- almost backlit with the right colors onto what, what it was the colors were supposed to be. So when you had Tron on there, they backlit him as, as blue. And then well, they had, must have ray traced the wires on all their costumes. Well, no, they, they rotoscoped it. Oh, rotoscoped. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. There were rotos- it, was, it was rotoscoped, and they backlit it with whatever color it was supposed to be frame by frame. And then they would do all the blue, then they would do all the yellow, then they would do all the red. And that's why, if you notice, colors of the good guys and bad guys change throughout the movie. Cause they, cause at one point or another, they got confused on what colors were the good guys and what colors were the bad guys. And they, they switch for a bit and then they go back somewhere in the middle of the movie, like during the tank scene. And, um, they, but they would have different layers of the film for each color. And, but the whole movie itself was shot in black and white and the, the camera was riveted into the floor. So it would, just to make sure they would get the shot. And if you notice, whenever they have a live action shot, the camera never moves. The camera is static and there's, it's just like, like old, like old fifties movies where the camera's in one spot, doesn't follow anybody around. And I kind of, I rewound the movie and watched it a couple times, uh, and jumping around to the scenes. And it's true that like whenever like, uh, David Warner's out there or Bruce Bockler or they're having the conversations, the camera doesn't follow anybody. It stays in one spot just so they would, wouldn't have to deal with too, too much, uh, uh, backlighting on each of the frames. I thought that was just a stylistic choice. Oh, the black and white? You no, know, just the whole thing, like the, the camera not moving. I thought they were just trying to like show the the almost primitive static nature of the grid. That's what I thought they were trying to do. Well, you're getting See, yeah, um, I got a little too deep into it, I guess. If if you if you watch this again at some point, or if, or if the people that are listening haven't seen this in a while and you're about to watch it, think of it in terms of if it was a, a 2015 film that was made as a nostalgia piece and watch it with that pair of glasses on and... I'm sorry, Pat, that, those pair of grasses. And, um, <laughs> I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I really do. I, I, yeah, I, I'm still geeking about it a little bit. Sorry. It, it's very, I mean, we use the phrase stylistic. It is extremely stylistic. I mean, it's very, uh, unlike Visual. anything. Yeah. It's very arresting visually, especially when you go, when you make the jump from, uh, the grid animated by computer to the live action. Uh, there's, it's, it's literally, that scene was literally like nothing that you had ever seen before. I mean, the idea that there was a life inside of a computer and it looked, you know, people wore these little glowing suits and they had little swim caps on and that sort of thing. <laughs> right. And people started thinking, oh my God, that's going on inside these computers. And let them on them. Turn them off. Let them free. That may not okay. have happened. Okay. Probably didn't have it. Shut up, Pat. <laughs> All right. Let's chat a little bit more about the video games. Okay. Okay. What about them? Arcade games. Okay, so basically, if for people that haven't played it, you've got a series of random games that you have to play before you can actually uh, challenge the MCP in the big game. Uh, those are the tanks. I'm doing this from memory. Light cycles, uh, the disc throw, the uh, kind of like throwing the ball of light, yeah, at the rings around the other guy. Then you had the, uh, what were you using for the bugs? I remember the uh, bugs you just well, shot like little light, little balls. 
Remember that? I'm forgetting one. No, <laughs> you shot Jeff Bridges' balls. What? Yeah, there was only four of them. You had like, well, because there was a light cycle one. Obviously, it was like you know, snake with an enemy. Uh, you had the spiders where you're jumping around. You had where he would walk, where his legs would go like from the. I was like an upside down V, and they're just like crisscross as he was running around, and he, you controlled his arm with the uh, control knob and shooting the little. You can shoot the beams at the spiders to get to the. Uh, to the beam in the center, and then you can get out of there and go to another level. Then there was the tanks, and uh, then there was almost um, where you fight the NPC was what, almost almost kind of like the break a brick game. Well, yeah, that's that's the one that once you survive any two, if I recall, of the other games, and tanks was hard as balls. Oh, yes, it was. Like that was the one that, like, if I got it, I was pretty much screwed. I wanted to get light cycle because I was good at it. Well, couldn't you choose? Do you push up, down, left, right, and you can choose which one you wanted? Couldn't you, you could later, not in the first draft of the of the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, in the early stand-up arcades, you just got two at random, and if you survive them, you got to do the level, like you say, like Arkanoid, with yeah. the rainbow-colored uh, uh, sphere. No, that's not right. Cylinder. Cylinder. Yeah. Uh, and if you shot it enough and avoided the shots from MCP, you could throw the disc in and destroy it. Yep. And then you start it over. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because that was arcades in the 80s. Did anybody else ever play Discs of Tron? Oh, uh, what's that? Oh, we had an arcade who had tr- that had Tron and Discs of Tron, which was a stand-up, one of those... Like, oh, imagine, um, you know how big like um, the car race games would be that you could actually sit down in? It was bigger than one of those. You stood wow. on one side, and you had two joystick controllers, and you basically played the deadly discs and throwing the discs back and forth at each other. And That's the way, awesome. yeah, the way they had the screen set up is you would see the rings and the other guy on the on the platform on the other side, and you would throw the discs back and forth to each other. And it was it, w- terrible controls. I pump, must have easily pumped at least 20 bucks for the quarters into it because I was playing the disc game. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, it was at, it was at the, one of the, that, uh, arcades at the mall near my house and it showed up and there was always a line of quarters sitting there until eventually people were like, you know, this is kind of cool, but you really can't win it. You can't, because the control scheme was just terrible with the two. Oh, that's a shame. It is. I mean, but they tried. That was a cool thing. But, uh, then some people that were fancy, play Tron games at home. Yeah, fancy Pat. As me. On your Intellivision. Yep, we had the... Uh, Intellivision was actually perfect for the disc game because it had the little um, circular control at the bottom anyway, so you just kind of spun it around to wherever you wanted to throw the disc, and you hit the side button. So, And the light cycle game was pretty easy, too, because of that, but the tank game was still tough, no matter what. What about the Solar Sailor game? I don't think I ever played that one. I don't oh. remember that one. I, you just told me you played it, the one that talked to you? You just yeah. had, You said the voice was like, got you erect or something. It's been a long time. It has been. It's been a whole half an hour. Yeah. No, 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 since I played it. Oh. You just brought back the memory that I could do that. I wasn't real excited about that actual aspect of the game. I just... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. My dad, my dad didn't, didn't splurge for the actual voice box, so you just kind of heard it through the TV. and was like, eh. Uh, okay. Eh. Yeah. So, bouncing back to the film. Yes. So, yes. we start with Kevin Flynn hacking a system. You've got, like, uh, this rebel 
software programmer sitting in his house on his Commodore 84 and he's typing commands in and somehow talking to his program that looks like him that's driving a tank. Let me at him. Yeah. So Clue, with a little bit at its side, is driving the tank and he attempts to get to the data. And we don't know what the data is yet. But Clue is ambushed by too many of the giant programs from the, what was, and it's not Paranoid Android, it's something like that, though. Paranoid, that's the Space Paranoids. Yeah, the Space Paranoids. Recognizers. Yeah. The Space Paranoids show up, capture Clue, and... Wait, 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 wait. The, the, the big flying M things? Yeah. Those, are Those were the... from the Space Paranoids game? Yep. Yeah, the one that's called uh, Recognizers. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, the Recognizers were the main the, enemy. I missed that somehow watching the movie. All right. So after that initial scene, we learn that he's trying to penetrate the system of the company he used to work for for some reason, and we don't quite know what's going on. And we also get a shot of the in-the-computer world where there's some sort of religious conflict going on, where programs are being forced to fight to the death if they believe in the users. Mm-hmm. The users... Uh... We exist, damn it. Can you? Yeah, I'm undecided. <laughs> But no, the um, and the and they're separated into two separate colors. So you've got like the red and the yellows that are the, that's the fascist government taking over, and then mm-hmm. the users, the believers and the users are the ones who are all in the blue, have the blue glow around them, and they're being thrown into the uh, into the grid to play against uh, Sark and his minions, and um, just fight him in the. Let's see, there was a disc, though the uh, Jalali. Is that how you say it? Highlight. Highlight. Highlight, um, right. Highlight. I said earlier, sorry. The Highlight game, and, and then there's the the one... Did they ever fight in the first one? Did they ever actually fight with the uh, with the discs? Uh, not until the end, where Sark and Tron are fighting. Oh, okay. Like, that was my impression, too. I was surprised when I rewatched it today, and that's the only reason I remember, is because I just saw it a few hours ago. Okay. Yeah, because I, I remember the, you know, the disc game playing, but I can't... I, and that's one thing that stopped me. I couldn't recall them actually fighting with it, but it was the um, that and the uh, light cycles, which were still kind of badass. Oh yeah, I mean that was uh, pretty cool. And we're jumping back and forth at the beginning, and then you'll cut back to Kevin Flynn, uh, and uh, you get introduced to Alan, mm-hmm. and uh, Alan is working on a program that's supposed to be able to check monitor any connections to outside programs and it's supposed to actually be a check on the master control program which Entech is using to run everything yeah, run the business yeah going to other businesses and apparently getting bored and going after the pentagon yeah it's supposed to be an independent program that that just checks and balances for everything right because at this point the programmers don't even realize that the mcp is uh the f- first of its kind of true artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. like it's developed itself to the point where it's smarter than anyone who created it and And it's got learned how to blackmail pretty quick yeah no kidding (laughs) (laughs) right yeah that was what was crazy is like you get a shift into who the true villain is pretty quickly like dillinger you think okay he's a dick he's obviously the bad guy and even he is getting schooled by the mcp Mm -hmm. you want would you like this to show up on the morning paper sark (laughs) <laughs> or uh, what, what was his name? Dillinger. Dillinger. And, End and, of line. Yeah. <laughs> yes. One thing I do have to say, that I do feel kind of bad for Dillinger, because to have to type on that goddamn computer desk thing that he had, that mm-hmm. had to have been a pain in the ass. 
But it was still ahead of its time, though, the whole concept. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, could you I mean, imagine having to stand up and look down? <laughs> well, yeah. I didn't say it was functional, but... Yeah. You didn't have the keyboard like you would have had in most movies at that time for that type of technology. No. So, um... Bruce- Around this point, we're actually also introduced to Laura, who is working with uh, one of the company founders, Dr. Walter Gibbs, on the ability to actually do matter energy transference to uh, break down something, digitize it and have it appear inside a computer. Yep. And they digitize an orange and with a machine that's as big as a building. Yep. Just about. That is because... actually a real laser. Did oh. you know that? That was not a set. Uh, keep talking. I'm going to look up, I'm going to look up the trivia on this. I that's awesome. It. Yeah. Um, but so uh, large, but awesome. Uh, by this point, uh, Alan Bradley, Bruce Boxleitner's character, uh, gets locked out of the system and doesn't have access to his program, Tron. Basically, because the MCP is paranoid that Tron is actually going to be able to check up on him and, uh, impede his plans. Well, Boxleitner and, uh, Laura go to see Kevin Flynn at his arcade, which is an awesome scene. Like it. This was a better arcade than any arcade I'd ever been to. Looks like a cross between the best arcade ever and a nightclub. Yeah. I, I like how as soon as he hits the record, he just like, all right, done with this. And he just walks yeah. away. He's like, I'm not he finishing the game. Like, yeah. <laughs> Broke it. Yeah. And he's good. got like groupies watching him. Uh, and he was all sweaty. He was like really sweaty. <laughs> and his crotch bulge. And the, uh, oh, the, who else noticed the old man and the woman walking around in there? <laughs> there's like, there's like old man with mustache and woman with like the hairnet and wandering around the arcade. That's, I, I missed that. Miss that. Yeah. yeah. This isn't the Wolvers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, haircut. Alan and Laura show up at Flynn's to talk to uh, Kevin Flynn because they are suspicious that he's probably the one that got them locked out of the system by hacking it. Okay. He was the best programmer at Entech, but he got fired for some unspecified reason. We find out later it's because he actually heroin. developed <laughs> he developed heroin, yes. <laughs> he digitized heroin. He developed the five video games that took Entech uh and were so profitable that they made it like a multinational conglomerate. But before he could finish his video games, which he was doing in his spare time on office equipment, which was probably pretty stupid. Yes. Yep. Uh, Everybody knows that's the 3M rule. Yeah, you don't do that. But Dillinger stole his work, appropriated it for himself, and fired Flynn. And ever since, Flynn's been trying to find a way to uh, prove that his work was stolen so he could make money off of it. And when it yeah. turns out, all he had to do to prove it was just print something out that said, yeah. Hey, yeah. Made I made this game. End of line. Yeah. And the courts are like, dude, give it to him. Give it like, all to yeah, him. Give him the I mean, this is just definitive proof. You got to go away, buddy. Give him a helicopter. That paper's <laughs> got perforations. Just make this himself at home. Okay, so I well, found the thing about the laser bay. Yeah. It was actually the target bay for the 20-beam Shiva solid-state laser facility at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab- Laboratory. Nice. It was used for nuclear fusion research in the late 70s and early 80s and was capable of delivering up to 28 trillion watts of power on target. So right before, you know, Jeff Bridges is like, all right, I'm going to sit here. Can we make sure this is unplugged? (laughs) Right. (laughs) That was so awesome. I'm not even going to give you shit for saying nuclear. Did I? (laughs) Whatever, man. But, I mean, everybody cleared the area when they, they digitized the orange. Like, everybody was hauling ass to get out of there. Yeah. yeah. And he the sits effect, down right in front of him. 
the effect when uh, basically the Scooby gang all get together and decide they're going to break in and he's going to find the evidence finally by giving them illegal access. They've got their whole plan and the MCP sees where he is and he digitizes him. That effect was so sweet for 1982. It was actually pretty good for now. Yeah, it yeah. was. They break him down. Now, and then you go into the uh, old school Doctor Who intro video. Oh, yeah. Something that's been parodied, that whole, like, what 1980s feel when you go into another dimension or computer or whatever. Yep. With all the random Through fractals time. swinging around there. Um, it's a kaleidoscope with random Tetris bits floating around. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so he gets dumped in into the middle of the, uh, the fight. <laughs> I'm just imagining something like uh, Fry on Futurama. He's like, everything tastes like 80s. <laughs> So, Sorry. Nope. All right. So, uh, yeah, so Flynn gets dumped in there, not really 100% knowing what's going on. He's kind of convinced that he's in some sort of dream uh, and then gets thrown into the games. Yeah, he's thrown into a jail cell with uh, Ram and Tron, and he kind of has time to figure out who Tron is and what's going on, but not before he's immediately pulled for the games by Sark, who's been told by the master control program that what needs to happen is he needs to be trained for the games and he needs to fight in them until he dies. Yep. And Sark's like, yes, I'm okay. Oh uh, yeah. After a little torture. Yeah. I need that. <laughs> yeah. How weird was it? The first time he just like, Mrah! he starts melting. I was like, Oh my Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then he has to go in a game of deadly high lie against poor crumb who was introduced earlier as an accounting program that uh, isn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't last much longer. And his yeah. user is going to be very upset that he's gone now. Yeah, despite the fact that uh, the game is just about won by Flynn, he realizes that it's going to kill Crom, and he refuses to deliver the finishing blow. So the MCP, or actually it wasn't even the MCP, it was Sark. Sark just hits a button and kills him. Yeah, that was pretty rough. It's very villainous. Yeah, kill someone to to make a point, and then we're on to, right into the next set piece where we're into the light cycle game where it's a team game with uh, Ram, Tron, and Flynn against these faceless minions of Sark, basically. Mm-hmm. Banana. Not that kind of minion. Oh, sorry. All right. So then they have the the light cycle chase and quick escape. I didn't realize that they really need to firm up those walls if they're going to be uh, having gladiatorial combat. On yeah, no kidding. You kill like... one light cycle and it's escape, magical escape route. Yeah. Hooray! I can't believe no one ever done that before. And then went uh, for a very slow chase through the, the mountains and hills of the digital whatever. Mm-hmm. They were showing off their special effects as it just slowly disappeared in the background. Yep. It's like, why a... is any of this here? Shut as up, tanks. Chase. Chase after them. <laughs> Drink a little energy, and uh, then yeah, that was cool. How there's like a sea of energy. Yeah, and they drink it out of the little frisbees. Yeah, I expected high. something to come from that, but no, I thought they were going to be like super energized and be able to like you know. Well, they kind of glowed a little puff girl through something or whatever. <laughs> and uh, then the uh, the tanks show up, fire on the the trio, and Rom gets and uh, Fling get knocked out of the bikes. Tron keeps moving. Then we discover that Flynn has user powers. And, yeah. and rebuilds He's... a uh, recognizer. Yep. Most of it. Next, yeah. And then yeah, it's got that kind of gimpy leg. Womp, womp. And then he can't drive it straight. Um, 
I, I, my favorite scene of that section of that whole thing where he's learning how to use it is that tank that's crossing the bridge. Oh yeah. And at this point, like he has to deal with, uh, Rom is very quickly derezzing and he has to, you've got the tragic, uh, Rom has a religious experience when he realizes that Flynn's a user. And then, uh, very quickly after the tragic scene, we get our bit of comedy relief with the bit. Yes. Yeah. That can only say yes or no. No. <laughs> You're too, that's too good. I've got another mouth to feed. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I like that part. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. A uh, nice, nice little chase scene with uh, every time he screws up the thing going, no, 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 no. He, he crashes it and piece by piece it gets sheared off from the bottom to the top. That was pretty sweet. Crashes it and absolutely nobody reacts. Yeah, and then he ends up in this weird, like, Moss Eisley goes to Shadowrun area. That's the only part that I was like, okay, this, even by today's standards, would not be kitschy. It was just, yeah, they, it's like they were like, okay, let's just throw a bunch of uh, parts together, light them up, and pretend they're other stray programs from other places or something. Hey, Frank, you got that, that thing you made when you got drunk and took all the uh, pipe cleaners and slammed <laughs> your head? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah put that on and walk around out there. I saw a transistor with legs. Yeah, so it was well, weird. I mean, they were making. Hey, they didn't know. Yeah, yeah, that was the weird part of the movie. You're right. It was. <laughs> <laughs> then they go and they see uh, the I/O port. Talk a little bit to uh, Bernard Hughes Dumont, and um, <laughs> who was just had to hate that contraption they had put them him him in. Like, I can just imagine every scene. He's like, oh, I gotta get back in this stupid thing. He was basically a giant turret. It yeah. looks so badass, though, with no gun. Because, yeah, at this point, uh, Laura, her program is this program, Yori, and we're reunited with Tron, who believes that uh, Flynn is dead, doesn't know he's a user. He goes and finds his girlfriend program, and they're going to go to the I.O. port, and she's going to help him get access so he can contact Alan, who's sitting at a terminal, uh, waiting for Tron to get released. The, the plan is actually going as planned, pretty much, aside from the fact that no one thought Flynn was going to get zapped with a laser and show up in the computer. Tron has been released from the MCP, and Alan's waiting for it to contact him. Mm-hmm. So they go to the I.O. port, get that contact in, make a book for it, as they arrest Dumont and all the other old men who are the apparently controlling the I.O. parts, uh, toss them in the giant... I don't know, the giant ship, and they make a break for it. In the meantime, Flynn discovers that he can absorb the colors from the bad guys, which almost makes his fool ass get knocked off a solar sailor. But yeah, by Tron. <laughs> but Tron. Solar sailor battle. Best part was a final guard who's just like, fuck it, I'm jumping. Yeah, that was great. He's <laughs> like, out. yeah, I know I'm going to die, so screw it. I'm just yeah, going to do I'm, it on my own terms. <laughs> just save, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm saving you. Not, not run away. Not any, just, oh, I'm just going to die. Just screw it. I'm just going to jump. <laughs> So, in the meantime, Flynn is hanging on from the bottom. Help! He's the wrong color. Gets up, changes color back, and then they wind up back in the uh, giant uh, ship again. Briefly, until uh, the Retrievers show up with Sark in control. Yep. The ship is getting derezzed. They think Tron died, because he falls off it, if I recall. Yeah. Well, it's when he got blown up, I thought that they thought he was dead. Well, yeah, they thought he got blown up. Then, By the tank. Yeah. Oh, uh, then they get wind up in the prison with Yori, building ships being derezzed, and then Yori has her, uh, religious moment when Flynn gets her glow back. 
Yeah, that was interesting how the there was this weird three-way thing with both Laura, uh, Alan, and Flynn, and then Yori, Tron, and Flynn. Because uh, Laura was obviously Flynn's ex-girlfriend that is now with Alan, and then Yori is Tron's girlfriend, but like Flynn is just making out with her. As soon as they think Tron's dead, she's like, I'm going to make out with this guy now. Yeah, right, he's well, a user. Yes. I like your swim cap better. Yes, 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 yes. You're the only one that has a dance belt. <laughs> there he goes. Oh Jesus! I see your dance belt is bigger than. I okay. So I just I, I like I said I didn't I didn't care for this movie. It was a little just it just it felt too thrown together and like I don't know. I mean it was just I liked the concept of it. I I thought it was going to be more entertaining. It's just I don't know. There was a lot of I kept waiting. I got, I kept waiting for L to show up at any point. That was kind of the feeling I got from this movie. Huh. Hmm. I see. I didn't think it was all that. That was what I expected, and I didn't find it cheesy at all. Uh, there was a little bit of the weird Alan as user god complex, because he gives Tron a super weapon. And when you get to the final confrontation, it does just kind of happen, except for when Sark gets, like, headshot. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty vicious. Yeah, and then yeah. he he's got like computer brain exposed. So the MCP realizing, hey, I'm just a big face. I can't really do anything. <laughs> gives most of his power to Sark, who immediately turns into like King Kong Sark, who's still losing his marbles though. Because I, I I mean I remember as soon as he got killed, I'm just like, well, that was very non dramatic. <laughs> oh, it was crazy. Stuff was leaking. That was awesome. Yeah, it was, but I was just like. That was not a very good final boss battle. He's just like, and I'm better than you, and then shatters his disc, and <laughs> and like, what a horrible like like little catchphrase line. I'm better than you. Click. And then he taps him in the head. Pow! <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I'm just saying, like, he could take lessons from Arnold on giving some nice catchphrase lines. And I'm then better. Flynn decides to be useful. He could have said, "You got to split," and then he just <laughs> split his head. Yeah. Flynn realizes that Tron is not going to win against the Megazord Sark. <laughs> so uh, he decides that I guess I better jump into this magic beam because that will somehow do something. Yeah, so he okay. in. Yeah, that's one of the Hail Mary. Yeah, I'm a user. I'm going to jump in the disintegration ray because why not? Yeah. And it worked. It worked. It worked. Yeah, he's able to. It felt like an asshole if it didn't. He just dies and then, oh, well, that sucked. He's able to take control of the MCP just long enough to take the one-week spot and open it up just long enough for trying to throw the Super God disc in and blow it up, and everything's happy, and we basically just cut to, as Pat said, the printout shoots out of the printer right next to where Alan re-reses, and he's now got his evidence, a damning computer printout. A huh? <laughs> hey, dot matrix yeah. printout. Like I said, it had perforations, dude. That makes it legit. That <laughs> says, I totally wrote this stuff, signed Epstein's mother. Which is apparently <laughs> enough to give you control of the entire company. Well, that's the only thing. Well, there are two things I had a problem with. Number one, it was the 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 ship on the light. That whole chase thing was kind of slow, but... Then when he, the, the very last shot in the whole movie is the giant NCOM helicopter landing on the, the roof with, you know, uh, Alan and, and the blonde chick. I forgot her name all of a sudden. Um, going up to meet Flynn as he gets out of the copter and what does he say? Hello users or something like that? Uh, greetings programs. Called, called programs. Yeah. Greetings programs. 
And that's the end. Yep. He's the boss now. He owns the company because that's how that works. And I was like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) You have incontrovertible proof, like a dot matrix printout. Everyone has to just give you the board to control. Like, all right. It's like on every computer screen, dude. (laughs) Why couldn't after they, after he said that, then they said, they're like, the the screen went black and it said end of line. And then that was the end of the movie. Oh. Then the credits. That would have been a much better ending. I I will admit that even though I liked this, the ending was a little weak and rushed. Well, just like heroic sacrifice, God Deus Ex Machina kills the bad guy, and Flynn goes back to the real world and wins everything. <laughs> Yay! No more arcade for me. Work for me, Batman. <laughs> you know, whatever, and it ends. I don't know why Indiana Jones is playing, but yeah, you know. <laughs> then he goes off and buys a rug. Ties the whole room together, Pat. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, I, I, does anyone else? I, I, okay, let's let's go around because Patrick obviously didn't like it. Uh, I, I think we've gotten the impression from the rest of us, but let's let's get it down for posterity's sake. Thumbs down, thumbs up, dude. I fell in love with Tron hardcore. I uh, like I said earlier, I I don't remember seeing it all the way through up until this point, and by the time it was over, I was like, man. Why have I not seen this before? I'm in love. I, I'm kind of where Joel is, maybe not as enthusiastically, uh, partially because of the ending, but like I had such low expectations because I remembered it not being all that great. I was like, wow, this is much better than I remember it. Uh, so yeah, I'm uh, an enthusiastic, but maybe not as much as Joel thumbs up. I think a lot of it had to do with the visual aspect, but it just felt, it just felt good to watch it. I'm just like, uh, made me happy, like yeah. being a kid. So are we uh, ready to take a break and then come back? Oh, yeah. Take a break. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Tron Legacy, the sequel almost 30 years later. And I I suppose we'll talk a little bit about the animated series that uh, debuted in 2012 and a little bit about the video games that were associated with the new mythos for the Tron universe. Yep. All right. So we'll be back in a little bit. Yes. (laughs) Nice. All right, everybody, we are back. Or wait, I should say greetings programs. Is that how should I say <laughs> <laughs> We're back on. Did the movie just end? Yes. Uh, we're back on for the uh, 2010 Tron Legacy. Yeah, it's, it's a sequel to an almost 30-year-old movie that came out of nowhere at the time. Yes. Like, this is a pretty significant risk for Disney. It, it, you know, it really was. It was not... I mean, because not like you'd be like, oh, 2010 is the anniversary of Tron, or there wasn't any sort of like thing going on that would make you think that it was a time for a Tron sequel at the point. Yeah. Um, no, 2010, this came out, uh, starring, they got Jeff Bridges back as Kevin Flynn and Clue. Uh, Sam Flynn is Garrett Headland. Yes, Garrett Headland as, uh, his son, uh, Quora. As well, Olivia Wilde <laughs> as, as Cora. Cora. Yeah, this was kind of her breakout role. Yeah, actually, it was. She's uh, got nice boobies. She's got nice everything. She got nice everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bruce Boxlutner uh, came back as Alan Bradley and Tron. And 
honestly, old Bruce is looking pretty damn good for 2010. His voice is a little, you know, jacked up, but yeah, he looks good. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's had some health problems, but, uh, I'm glad to see him working again. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Me too. And you kind of just jump right back in. Uh, one of the cool things about this movie is, uh, one of the upgraded, uh, graphical effects. I mean, now we're literally 30 years more, more, uh, more into, uh, computer animation, computer graphics and CGI and that sort of thing. So it's when I found out about this, I was geeking out beyond belief. And actually wound up at the, uh, preview trailer for it, the invite only of, uh, my friend, well, you guys know, uh, Brian Buck, Buckaroo, uh, that was with me on Tiki Geeks. He got tickets to the pre-release, uh, trailer. And do you want to talk about some security? Airplane, uh, air, airliners, airlines don't have anything on Disney security. I could say that. They, sitting in the, in the, uh, no, there was like, you had to sign of a, Statement saying you weren't going to record anything before you can go in. You got a bracelet, uh, got a whole bunch of cool, uh, uh, Tron swag from it. So you got like posters and that sort of thing. Um, and didn't you have like a badass sweater on too? Like, uh, uh that's not till later. Oh, uh, and then, uh, in the pre-release, they had people with night vision goggles that can like, were watching the crowd while we were watching the trailer. So they had like people positioned two at the front, two in the middle, and two at the back, watching the crowd to make sure nobody was was filming this. That's crazy. It is. Uh, the trailer was amazing. You know, loved it to death. And ha ha! Don't film it, or we'll kill you. Ha ha! Pretty much. No one wanted to be that guy. Um, but one of the other cool things they announced about this one is that the soundtrack was done by Daft Punk. And who's he? Who's this Daft Punk? I That's don't want Pink no Floyd's punk nephew. Coming. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Daft Punk uh, was one of the cameos. He also, uh, I, I want to make sure we mention Michael Sheen because he's an awesome character actor. Thank you. Oh, he's one of those guys that, like, you see him and it's like, who is this guy? I recognize him. He's always awesome. And yeah, he's in fucking everything. Yeah. Well, I think we should also mention that Dillinger's son is played by someone who's never even credited, Cillian Murphy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great the, casting. Uh, uh, um, Scarecrow. Yep. But yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and then oh, I know him from Red Eye. Dude, that was yeah. a great flick. <laughs> Rest in peace, Wes Craven. But great flick. True. Yeah. So uh, the the gist on this one is that Sam Flynn has kind of given up on his father's legacy. He's you see a strangely computer animated Jeff Bridges talking to him in back in '83 about what the or '80. I don't know when was one of the eighty nine eighty nine eighty nine yeah yeah uh, about when the uh, about the grid and going in and we're always going to be a team and then he just up and disappears and Sam decides to uh, just dick around with being the uh, uh, leading shareholder of a multi billion dollar industry right well yeah he has kind of a troubled upbringing he's got grandparents that have difficulty raising him and he's got unlimited money. So, uh, he, uh, Wah. yeah. <laughs> Opening scene, you meet, you meet Sam. Sounds like you, Pat, right? No. <laughs> He's got affluenza. When, uh, Sam busts into his own building to give away, uh, the latest version of his, o- of the OS from, uh, and, and, oh, what's the name of it? I just lost the company name. Encom. Encom's, uh, program for free. Yeah. And uh, if you're, if you're paying attention, this is a series of stunts. Like he pulls this shit every, year on the anniversary of his dad's disappearance. He does some weird extreme sports stunt to shame the company. 
yeah, they mentioned he'd, he'd done a bunch of these things about the same time, which is one of the reasons why there's such high security. And why it makes no sense that they didn't realize it was him at first. No kidding. Yeah. That is that is a fair criticism. Maybe it was the fat security guard's first day. That's true. Watch out for a guy that's going to fly in. Um, <laughs> right. He might parachute. There might be a boogie board involved. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be drinking Mountain Dew. Your, your training is to watch the X Games. <laughs> Why don't they just have somebody stationed at the big door? I mean, come on. Because that's a big door. Yeah. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> in both of them. Yeah. Uh, so... He uh he pulls his stunt, gets arrested, goes back home to living in this little shack out on the river, which is probably nicer than anything we got going on right now, um, because he has unlimited money. Uh, Bruce Boxlander, Alan Bradley, shows up to inform him that his pager has gone off, being called from the phone from his dad's office back. Yes, at he did say pager. Yes, he's rocking the pager still, and uh, which causes Sam to go back investigate the arcade. Uh, and discovers the back room and winds up getting sucked into the uh, grid himself. Which has gotten a few upgrades. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I, plot was not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I totally admit plot on this. Uh, basically, Sam uh-huh. goes in to save his dad, who has been uh, kept from getting out by Clue, who has gone nuts and his process in his uh, attempt to make the perfect system. Then you throw in a whole bunch of what was Quora again? Uh, she was an IOS. An ISO. ISO, yeah. ISO. yeah, yeah she's ISO, all these sorry. ISOs that have the secret to something, which you're never really sure what they're going to do once they get them out. Can we roll back just a little bit? Because okay. we glossed over something really important. Oh, what did we miss? We missed the flashback with CGI young Jeff Bridges, which creeped me the fuck out. Oh, yeah. That was terrible. Like, I could buy CGI Jeff Bridges as Clue because he's a program. But the right. fact that they also used the program to have Jeff Bridges appear in his 1989 incarnation with his kid, it's hardcore Uncanny Valley shit. Yeah, there was serious Uncanny, uncanny Valley with that, that opening scene. Um, I think they would have been a lot better if they had never let him turn around. Well, what bothers me though is that if, him in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. If if you look at at like Ant Man for example, where it's only five years yeah. later, and in Ant Man, Michael Douglas, you know, rather than render him, they de-age him, and it seems like at this point they were still instead of using that process, they were trying to render him. And it was, when it was they sh- Polar Express, right? And when they show the clips on the TV of him, like they're talking about how you know how the the downfall of of Encom or the. Dis- appearance or whatever and they show clips of michael of um jeff bridges from when he was younger because he's been acting forever and it you know it doesn't match up because you see these clips of him and it's actually him and then you see him rendered talking to his son and it's like well wait a minute you know what just happened it was a little off-putting but i just yeah, suspension of disbelief yeah but i agree with you josh that i mean they i honestly think they would have been better off just doing a voiceover or you know just letting us pick up on things as the, as we we went yeah. along instead of having to exposition yes. like let us hear through the door him talking to his uh his parents which are uh Sam's grandparents mm-hmm. and have the grandparents come in with like a letter from his dad mm-hmm. like there's all sorts of ways to do it without showing off the technology which really wasn't there to the point where it wouldn't be creepy and i i'm not sure it's quite there even now yeah. Was, I would disagree. I mean, if you've seen Ant-Man, 
Michael well, Douglas I mean, was amazing looking. Yeah, yeah, was but was he uh, completely CGI? No, they just de-aged him. They, yeah, they, they, he acted, and then they removed his age. But see, that's a that's a totally different thing. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the process. equivalent of CGI airbrushing. Yeah, which right. is the intelligent way to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So here's some. Oh well, actually, before we get to that, I saw this opening night on was actually a full on Tron party. Is this the badass sweater part? It's. Yes, Suzanne uh, bought us matching Tron hoodies. Oh, they're nice. so cool! They're yeah, they're uh, aqua blue. Now they had run out of the Sark ones, which were black with like uh, oh, like a reddish black with red piping on it. So we got these aqua blue Tron ones that have basically when you pull up the hood, it's got the helmet and all the graphics from the upper body Tron portion of it, and it all glows in the dark. Oh yeah, so that's pretty cool. It is pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, we went to Buck's place and he, we had a whole, there was a whole, we watched the original Tron and then he had a Tron, uh, trivia, 90 questions that he had come up with all the way down to what was, um, jeez. Yeah. Oh yeah. And well, were they all yes or no answers? Yes, exactly. That's how we did it. (laughs) Uh, what was Dillinger's password on his desk? Oh, uh, yeah. Anybody? I, no, do, I, I remember when he typed it in, I was like, it was, uh, no, 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 it was master. It, right. It was master. Yeah, it was really easy. Uh, Suzanne and I won with 70%. Wow. And, that's uh, like a C. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, out of the wall, out of 90, I guess. So. I just, I remember oh, that, out of 90, that so. when he typed it in, I'm master. I'm like, man, like, yeah. this is, this guy's supposed to be like some computer guy. And it's like, password is password. Yep. <laughs> password is one, two, three. But, uh, Buck like had the some combination cool. idiot would have on his luggage. <laughs> yeah. <It's> amazing. <laughs> but, uh, the cool thing is that Buck actually had some cool, uh, prizes for w- winning first. I uh, got a copy of the novelization, an original from back then of the original Tron and he uh knows some people at Disney which is also how we kind of got into the uh the pre-release um I have a collection of tokens from Flynn's arcade that all have like Space Paranoids Tron and all the different games that he's invented have their logos uh-huh. on one side and Flynn's arcade on the other That's awesome so that's pretty sweet I want to get him like a little coin like frame for him put him in my want to get a man cave but, uh, but no, then we went and saw it at one of the, uh, IMAX, uh, theaters out there by us at midnight. And this, uh, for as little plot as this movie actually had, cause it really doesn't, it's paper thin. Go save dad is pretty much the plot. Uh-huh. The music in those theaters was made the movie. That's what brought you. The music was almost a character of its, of its own through the entire <laughs> thing. Well, just like the Wendy Carlos soundtrack from the original, Daft Punk took that. And worked within the same kind of framework and created something similar, but completely new. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is this film was obviously made with a lot of love and respect for the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a shame that they focused on getting all the details right and then kind of missed the boat with some basic storytelling things. Yeah. No, and, I, I agree with uh, you on that. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, they could have done so much more with the story. Well, what what exactly are you referring to? Because I didn't get that same sense, so I'm trying to figure out what 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 are you talking about? What were your problems? Uh, I thought that a lot of the dialogue was ham fisted. A lot of the motivations for the various characters were uh, like their particular actions were because the plot demanded it. You kind of get to the point where it's like uh, as Sam shows up. Finds his dad after a uh, reference to the original film. He's captured. He's put into the games briefly. He wins some of them. 
which is a little bit more inexplicable, although you can give it a pass because he grew up hearing stories yeah. about yeah. the Tron game. So, okay, fine. He's and he, inexplicably good at the games with no training. And he also he also makes a comment, I have an action figure of you on my shelf. Right. You know, so he does know what's going on. So I'll give that a pass. And he's radical. And he is. <laughs> um, he's, he's, don't forget he is an X-Factor athlete. He is immediately immediately deus ex machina out of the light cycle scene by uh, Korra with her light cycle car. Which was badass, by the way, that whole sequence. It was badass. I'll give that to you. And here's where the movie starts to fall apart. Like everybody's plans and motivations behind what they're going to do are kind of sketchy at best. He shows up with a he meets his dad. They have an awkward meeting, and he's like, okay, we go straight for the portal. And his dad's like, no, we can't do that. And he's like, oh, well, okay, fine. And then he, uh, on the side, is like, I'm going to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. And Cora's like, well, I'll send you to this guy who will help and totally won't betray you. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, no, she was kind of naive in that regard. I know, but the thing is, is sending him to Zeus is... Like, a rookie mistake. I mean, okay, she started out naive, but how many years has she been learning the ways of the world from newly zen Kevin Flynn? And and anybody who is who is the the final person from their entire uh, survived a genocide is going to be a little bit more hesitant to just send somebody. You know, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Greg Goldman, uh, stand-up comedian, talking about... Uh, being Jewish, he's like, he's like, we're a very hesitant people. He's like, we've been in a lot of pickles over the years. Right. <laughs> so you tend is, to be a little more, yeah. She's a one of a kind, and she's talking to a user, of which there are now exactly two in the system. And she doesn't see the betrayal coming, despite the fact that it happened to her race. Mm-hmm. The betrayal happens for also sort of sketchy reasons. It's like, why did Zeus suddenly go from being ISO-loving freedom fighter to dickbag? He wants the city and doesn't see the double-double cross from Clue coming. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, you've got uh, Kevin Power hungry. rushes in to save the day, loses the only thing that's important besides his son. Okay, him rushing in makes sense. But he loses his disc, and they end up going with Sam's original plan. Like, everybody makes a series of bad decisions where it's like, we shouldn't do this. Oh, we have to do this? Oh, okay. One thing about that scene, when uh, when Flynn came in and that fight was starting, just puts his hand on the ground and shuts everything down. That was badass. That was pretty badass. He had the hood on and everything. That was cool as hell. It was There's like, a lot of, like, really cool moments when uh, what's the uh, super badass uh version uh like the ultimate uh, black suit warrior called oh that's now, um Rinsler. Oh, yeah, uh, Rinsler. 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 Rinsler, yeah yeah uh, something, something like that yeah. when Rinsler is in the arena with Sam before he breaks out and actually meets with his dad there is a little bit that is almost a throwaway moment but it's actually pretty cool where Rinsler ends up sparing Sam because he makes him bleed yeah for a second, he figures out what's going on with Sam and is able to override uh, the programming that's holding him in check before the big reveal mm-hmm. and spare his life. Which even the big reveal, if anybody, well, even, even you know, you've got a whole bunch of people that are willing to go to the midnight showing to Tron. The second Rinsler walked out on the field, everyone's like, oh, there's Tron. 
You know, yeah. just, I mean, it's like changing. They changed the color of Superman's logo and expected you to not recognize who he is. Wait, that wasn't Superman? No, that wasn't Superman. I'm sorry. Damn it. Keep watching the wrong movies. That was an even more surprisingly spry Bruce Boxleitner. Yes. <laughs> it was CGI Bruce Boxleitner. So it's okay. So, but, um, it was Mrs. King. But no, the, I mean, the whole, the whole battle scene and, uh, uh, Caster, that weird ass dance and suddenly his cane turns into a gun. Um, that, like you said, it was very much A to B to C to D. It's, I mean, they had a story and just threw a whole bunch of cool scenes on top of it. And you gotta admit, this, visually, this movie's fantastic. Sure. The set pieces are awesome. It's the plot that connects them. Like they got the justification and the world building all down pat. I like the character of where Kevin Flynn has become. I like Cora. I like Sam. Uh, but like what they give them to do in the film is where it fails. And don't get me wrong. I'm being pretty tough on this movie. It's not that I didn't like it. Uh, I thought it was only okay and was so close to being amazing. That's it. They, I mean, there was just, they spent a little bit more time in the screenwriting room and it would have been, have been so much better. Now, let me just toss a little trivia while we got a little pause here. Okay. Though the crowd voices during the disc battle in the beginning of the movie are actually the voices of the audience during the presentation, presentation of Tron at Comic Con. So everybody cheering, uh, in the very beginning during the disc battle. That's Comic Con cool. people, which is pretty neat. Um, in an interview, Bridges noted that his, uh, he was being scanned by laser into a computer that the, he had the same thing that happened to him originally in Tron. He's like, whoa, I already did this. Oh, man. Uh, well, Daft Punk and their cameo at the uh, end of the line club, which oh, yeah. was pretty sweet, especially when yeah. the, the fight starts. They look at each other and change the whole rhythm of the music immediately. And like, I recognized them immediately, not knowing at the point, because I just saw this yesterday. I didn't realize they'd done the uh, music for it, but as soon as I saw them, I'm like, that's Daft Punk. Yep. And uh, the filming lasted 64 days, so just over three months to, to film all the scenes in this movie. How many months? 64 days. Do the Two math, months. Pat. Shut up. Like, what are you trying to be? <laughs> Tell me do the math. I'm the one trying to correct him. So yeah, Matt, do the anyway. Anyway, post production due to the heavy special effects lasted 68 weeks. So I thought that was crazy. That Wait a minute, they spent more time in the post production than they did doing the movie. Yep. Oh yeah, they spent more weeks. Like for every day they spent on film, they spent more than a week in post production. Wow. Yeah. But it, you can tell, I mean, just looking at it, it's so beautiful to look at. Yeah, and the... But it's like Avatar, I mean... I don't know, I'm not going to see that ever, so... I'm just saying, like, you know, spend more time writing some story <laughs> next time. Well, I mean, the the idea is pretty cool. I mean, it's it's the execution of it. I mean, going into Rescue Flynn... Yeah, going into Rescue Flynn, the fact that Clue is the bad guy because... He's jealous because he kind of feels that uh, he's Flynn's first kid and he doesn't understand. He's supposed to make things perfect, but Flynn prefers Sam, and he's had a complex about it. Yep. And then there was Jim. Oh, Jim. Yeah. That that whole scene. Truly outrageous. I almost said it, but I decided not yeah. to. That scene where they where they drop and were getting them ready for the the sirens were getting them ready for the for the battle was pretty neat. Yes, neat. That's what I was thinking. Neat. 
You know what was was uh, speaking of neat is how uh, the programs died in this one. The de-resing was literally breaking down into pixels. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, neat. <laughs> and the uh, <laughs> you ever notice how it sounds funny the more you say it? Um, <laughs> little neat. Uh, and little. It's a little neat. The recognizers are pretty cool. Are, are a lot n- nice, neater. <laughs> this mm-hmm. one too. Neat. Neat. Little. <laughs> so, but. Well, uh, Joel, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. What no. were you going to say? No, I was going to say, Joel, what are you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I guess I, uh, I guess I didn't get that. I was so absorbed and maybe I was just overwhelmed by the visual effects and just kind of trying to catch all the tie-ins to the original. Cause as soon as I saw the big door, I'm like, okay, wow, they're really, you know, I'm glad I'm watching them so close together that I just kind of bought into the whole storyline and didn't get that same sense that you guys did. Well, and I kind of fell in love with this one just as much as the original. Was this the first time that you'd seen it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it that's why. It was the first time for me, too, and I had the opposite uh, impression. Uh, okay. I don't know. I, I Like I said, I, I'm downing this movie pretty hard as we talk about it, but I actually enjoyed it. It's just like, if we're out of five stars, I'm at like two and a half, three. Yeah. They're, 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 I, I liked it, but not loved it. I'll probably never watch it again. Huh. Yeah. I more appreciate what it did for the world building of the mythos of the Tron universe, which is pretty cool when you look at, uh, I don't know if we're ready to transition into talking about other stuff, Tron. No, let's do it. Um, they did the same thing with this, uh, that they tried to do with the Matrix in a lot of ways. They sort of sketched out certain aspects and decided to fill in the blanks with the video games. Mm hmm. So you've got a, a couple of games. Uh, one is, I, I think it's Tron. I, I had the tab Tron, open a second Tron ago. Tron uh, tr- Not tr- Tron Upgrade. No, Tron Electric Boogaloo. Uh, 2.0, the killer app. I'm talking about the one where you star as Anon, a uh, program that is put in as things are going wrong as soon as the ISOs have been discovered. Uh, it completely f- uh, fills in the uh, background of when Clue goes bad. There's like a comic book and there's a couple of video games. Oh, that is... I Actually, I rented that. I bar- I went and got that. I just lost the name of it. Uh, Tron Evolution. Yes. That's what I was searching for. Um, Yeah. 2010 came out in sync with the uh, the movie. It's supposed to be that little bridge, give you a little bit of, you know, dipping into and playing. Oh, you're in the game. You're, you're part of the whole thing going on. Cause you do, the cool thing that they do is in the, in the cutscenes, like when, uh, Clue shows up and he asks Flynn, am I supposed to keep making, keep making the perfect system? And, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool in the movie because Flynn's like, yeah, you know, like, all right, cool. You know, and then they, you know, they go after him. But in that scene, you discover that you're actually standing in one of the cross bridges up above watching it. So you, it connects the scenes in the video game actually cross over into scenes in the movie where you are like on the outside watch, looking in to all the different like things that are happening. Sounds kind of like what they did in, uh, the Godfather video game too, where like you could watch things happen that happened in the movies. Yeah. 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 And this, uh, goes into a big mystery. There's actually a surprising amount of depth to the plot for Tron Evolution because it gets into, there's a conflict at this point between the basic programs who are led by Clue and, uh, the ISOs. And there's a tension. There's a Cold War that occasionally breaks into terrorist activity from one side to the other. And, uh, Flynn and Clue and everybody, they're trying to figure out what's going on, not knowing that Clue is instigating it. And you get an answer to some of the questions, like how did it, 
break down that Korra was the one survivor of the ISOs. Exactly what happened in the purge? All of these are questions that are answered in Tron Evolution. Which should have been answered in the movie. Well, yeah, and that's why I make the parallel to the Matrix sequels, because they did the same thing in the Matrix sequels, where the the biggest part of, uh, I think it was the second Matrix movie, they cut out or sort of cut to and just showed you what happened. And if you want to find out what really happened, you have to play the video game. Yeah, and and it's the same situation, because you do find out stuff in Tron Evolution like you did in the Matrix video game, but the game is terrible. Yeah, I, it's so clunky. You want it to be, I mean, they, they tried to play it off with it as this wall running, um, almost like the, uh, Assassin's Creed style of play where you can run sure. up a wall, you know, bounce off a wall, take a stab with your, where your blade is your disc and you can throw the disc or slam it into the ground and that sort of thing. But if the controls are so clunky and the camera is so all over the place where you're fighting against uh, some of the other, you know, some of the other programs and the camera, you turn around and the camera swings around and you're in a wall. But yeah. Mike, what, what's your rule that you tell your, your girls whenever movie, that you yeah. talk about getting a video game based on a movie? Movie games suck. Yeah. Very rarely we will there this. be a movie game <laughs> that does not suck. Except um, Mad Max. I haven't tried it yet. I want to play it so uh, It is so over. Uh, well, well, that's, that's something, something we'll else. talk about that after the show, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Apparently um, it's a big exception to that rule. Yeah. That's what I've heard. <laughs> anyway, but movie games suck is pretty much the rule. Well, uh, one of the, the things that I appreciate about both Tron Evolution and Tron Legacy is the expansion of the Tron universe mythos. And I, I it's weird because they sort of have opposite problems where the Tron Evolution, the story is very good, but the visuals and the controls are not so great. And then you've got Tron Legacy, where the world building and the visuals are awesome, but the story is not that great. Yep. So, I mean, even though taken on their own, they're kind of a mess, uh, I, I do think that they contribute to building something that's really interesting. I, I spent a lot of time in the last two days on the Tron Wiki looking at different things that across the comic books and the television show and the uh, v- video game and the movies uh, has kind of been locked together into one consistent mythos. And I think that's probably a pretty good transition for Joel to talk about the uh, the show. Yep. Well, um, I took it upon myself because I was so geeked about the movies that uh, I saw that there was the there was an animated series that they started in 2012 called Tron Uprising. And it takes place kind of a, a stopgap between, um, you know, the, the first and the second film. So they have, again, kind of like with the video games, more of what happened in the in-between times. And it um, talks about a character named Beck, played by Elijah Wood, who is this kind of nobody uh, program that ends up joining a... Uh, a group of other uh, renegade programs to kind of try and overthrow before, you know, the whole thing happens in, in legacy. So it's, it's really, it's a neat style of animation. Um, the story is there it kind of reminds me of Batman, the animated series and the tone. Um, and uh, it's, it was really good what I saw, but I saw the, the, the first episode and I watched the little snippets of some of the other ones. And um, I wish they kind of would have kept it going, but I think it's kind of neat that they decided to go uh, challenge one of the assumptions you make if you know the rest of the Tron universe is that as soon as Clue took out Tron, he immediately was repurposed into Rinsler. But the uh, show says no, he was damaged quite a bit as Tron, but he escapes. 
And if the series had gone on, you would have seen his eventual transformation into Rensselaer. Because he's actually training the main character of the show to become like the Neutron 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yep. It really is cool. I mean, I don't know. if you Did you watch any of it then, Josh, while you were reading about it and stuff? No, I didn't have time to watch it. But I, in order to fill in all of the gaps that I had to answer my questions about the world, I had to be familiar with the plot. Sure. Yeah. So I, I at least knew that. Yeah, and, and it's it's clearly, uh, it's very obvious as soon as, uh, well, even if you hadn't seen them, well, I wouldn't say if you haven't seen the movie, but if you know Bruce Boxleitner's voice, you know that it's him as soon as, you know, the character is introduced um, that's starting to train him. And, you know, in that first episode, they don't, I don't remember if they ever revealed who it was, but you know it's him. Sure. And I think it's crazy that Boxleitner originally wasn't even going to be in Tron Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. There was a big fit because the people found out about it and... How do you have a movie without Tron? Yeah, it, right? And I mean, it, he was kind of, uh, I, I don't know that the use of Tron as Rinsler was super effective because he is a bad guy. The incredibly predictable reveal happens. He does have the cool line where he says, I fight for the users, which was his big catchphrase in the beginning of the original. Mm-hmm. But then he sacrifices himself and it doesn't actually affect very much. So I, I was a little disappointed about the way they handled his heroic sacrifice. You, you want to make those meaningful, right? Yeah, and unless he, you're talking about Tasha Yar. <laughs> no, shut up, dude. That's that's going to be a <laughs> too whole soon. soon. Too, too soon. soon. <laughs> oh, skin of evil. So yeah, I mean, uh, are, are we ready to talk about how we all felt about this? Yeah. I want to know Pat. I, you know what? I kind of nothing this movie. Aww. I didn't really like it or hate it enough to really have an opinion on it, and I probably will never watch it again either. No. The lead character was just kind of, you know, the, the kid, Sam, was just kind of uh, there to me. I mean, he was just kind of too two-dimensional, didn't really care for him. And the Jeff Bridges reveal kind of just... It was kind of cool, and then they just kind of lingered on it way too long, and it just, you know, like the whole awkward dinner scene, to me, was, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like they could have done so much more with Jeff Bridges. I don't know. I thought the awkward dinner scene was actually pretty funny, especially with Cora. I don't know. But, I mean, I I didn't, I mean, I didn't really give it too much of a chance. I was doing laundry while I watched it, uh, I'll admit that, so... Take take my, you know, take my opinion of it with a grain of salt. You're a dick, Mr. Hand. (laughs) Yeah, I I liked it, uh, but extremely tepid. Like it's a barely a thumbs up, more of a thumb sideways. I liked what they did with uh, all of the elements from the original movie, and like I said, it was obviously crafted with great love and respect for the original, which I always appreciate. Uh, some people gave people uh, gave them a lot of crap for saying Kevin Flynn talked too much like the dude from The Big Lebowski. And if you hadn't seen Tron in close proximity to uh, Tron Legacy, I get that. But that was kind of the way he talked. The whole, like, hey, man, we're going to do all this. Well, yeah, I mean, because he said radical. There, there was one point when he actually said it's like something happened, and he was like, radical, dude, or yeah, something. I was like, well, oh, come on. Well, okay, but, but look at it this way. He's been trapped in there since 1989. 
I, right. I didn't think about that. I was like, okay, I guess that's, he's, you know, time is slower, you know. That's, yada, that's yada. the language that he left with. So radical right. and dude and that whole thing was it was the way he was talking back in 89. Things were radical to him. The most dudish line was also one of the uh, funnier ones when he's yelling at his kid. And he's like, you're really messing with this whole Zen thing I got going, man. That was hilarious. <laughs> that I will tell you, at, at the opening night, that was the biggest laugh. When he said that, because the whole, I mean, everybody in the crowd got that one. It was like, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he was Lebowski-ish, but then Lebowski, Big Lebowski, that wouldn't, that took place in the 80s too. So it was the same huh? style, didn't it? No. What Big Lebowski? Place? What was it, when did it, when was it, when did it take place? It, it oh, when did it take place or when, when, when was it released? No, when did it take place? It was present day, oh. so whatever year it was released. Yeah, like late 90s. I thought you were asking, like, when did the movie take place? I don't, yeah, because I don't know that. But uh, Big Lebowski was released in 1998. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. Um, well, because <laughs> 1991 is the is the year that Big Lebowski takes place. Okay. Oh, interesting. So it was actually not present day. It was a few, it was on that border between well, the 80s yeah, and 90s. yeah, because he's walking around with that giant brick phone, the bag phone. Oh, that's true. That's so, a good point. Yeah. It took place actually two years after he disappeared. So, I so mean, despite uh, a weak script, if anything, the reason I'm almost a thumb sideways, a very, very cautious thumbs up, is like I said earlier, it was so close to being amazing. And I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't. Now, uh, Joel also knows I'm a huge, I'm a huge Tron fan. I love the movies. I love the, you know, the TV show. I mean, the game for all its intents and purposes, the play is terrible, but it does have a lot of exposure on the plot. And I kind of feel the same way because it's like I expected so much more. You know, you see all the graphics, 2010, you see all these computer graphics and you see all this stuff and you got that, but there was no, it's like they forgot all the, screenwriting script writing rules you know i expected more plot than you got yeah I, I, there were just yeah too many double crosses for no reason oh now you've got this disc now you've got that disc oh i'm betraying you for no reason i'm betraying you <laughs> i've betrayed both of you i'm not even in this movie there's poison <laughs> on both of our goblets <laughs> anybody uh, want a peanut all right joel what about you Thumbs up. I, like I said, I've only seen it this one time and I, I loved it just as much as the original as an, and as a whole, um, and piece that all ties together. I thought it outside of the, the bad rendering of Jeff Bridges, which was unfortunate. I thought as a whole, I, I was, like I said earlier, I felt like a little kid, like watching a, a movie on the big screen for the first time. I mean, it just, and especially the visual. I mean, the visuals were just, I mean, to me, just kind of jaw dropping. It was like watching art. So it was yeah. a, it was definitely a beautiful movie. I will give it that. I got a question primarily for Joel and Mike because I think I know Pat's answer anyway. It sucked. Shut despite up, Pat. despite the problems with this or whether you loved it, would you be interested in seeing more stuff in the universe? Oh yeah, that's I, why I, I watched. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say I feel the same way. Like I want more Tron stuff, and I feel that it's probably not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. That's why I watched, started to try and track down Uprising, which you can find some of it on YouTube. Is because I wanted to see. Because just looking at it, I'm like, this looks so much like the the movies. I want to see kind of what they're doing here, and it it's so stylized that you can put it into different types of media, and it, and it carries over, and it all connects. And yeah, I would. I just don't know how much you can do because the world is destroyed as of the end of. 
of of legacy and the parts in between there's only so much you can do without you know ruining what happens in legacy so i, I mean you'd have to do something with uh, at the very end of the film uh basically we stopped our recap on this at the very end of the film after the big confrontation between sam cora clue 2.0 and flynn Clue, uh, has an almost tearful, like, why did you do this to me moment with his creator? And the way it's all resolved, uh, with him saying, Hey, I would sacrifice anything. I was wrong. This entire, everything that's gone wrong here in the grid was gone wrong because I was looking for the wrong thing and I wasn't paying attention to what was important. And what was important was my kid. And that's why I have to stop you because he has to get away no matter what. And he, he wants the ISO to get away. He wants his kid to get away. So Clue and Flynn merge into one. The world's destroyed, but there's a little flicker or glimmer of something that gets downloaded onto a chip, which Sam now wears around his neck. Yep. And that is your possibility of sequel right there is like that there's some glimmer of his father still in that chip and him having to go back to separate him from clue and figure it all out. Now who the new antagonist would be? I don't know. Maybe it's Flynn. Well, there was, there was a rumor that the reason that they kind of lightly introduced Dillinger's son is that, that that would be where the next film would go would be Dillinger's kind of revenge. And I think, um, clue takes over, Flynn's body, and he has to release Flynn from Flu. I can see that. Yeah. Try and uh, separate his dad from the corrupting influence. Uh, possibly his necklace is stolen by Dillinger's son. They recreate the grid, and he wants to res his dad out of the out of the new grid. That yeah. sounds great. Let's roll with it. Let's make it. Make this happen. Print. It's a wrap. Do it. I'm going to print it up on my dot matrix printer, which is legally binding. I'm <laughs> setting up the rat paper, the rat party right now. <laughs> I now own the rights. <laughs> wow. This printout says, I am the one that invented it. All right. <laughs> so, um, hey. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. What? <laughs> What's going on next week? All right, we already talked about summer camp, but in the dying embers of summer, there's one thing that most people do in the summer that we haven't talked about in the coming up on two years doing this show. Uh, so for what will end up being our two-year anniversary, we're going to talk about vacations, not not vacation of the movie, but road trips, vacations, where you went with your family and uh, where you take your family, whether that's just like you or you, your wife and your kids, whatever. Yeah. How that all works. Road trips and vacations for next, uh, next week's show. Shut up. I wish I could derail you sometimes. I know, right? That was terrible. I apologize. Now that my food truck is finally going to open this week, I'm going on a road trip. Nice. (laughs) Holiday road. So Not yeah, this that. is episode 104, and uh, in, in the last two years, we've missed one update, Yep. Uh, and we've replaced that one update with a, a mime show. Yeah, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so we are literally at two years next I year. tell you, I, and again, I will set it before I say it again, nobody thought this was funnier than the four of us idiots the night before we posted that. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> 
true story. This is going to be so funny. And I, I like, I had an idea after we'd gotten past about 20 shows that we were going to be in this for the long haul, but I'm not sure any of us was sure we'd still be doing this two years later every week. No. I mean, how many ideas over the years have we talked about, hey, we got to do all this? And uh, it's usually just that. It's talk. But here we are two years later. And like I said, we've missed one update. Maybe it was two. We totally should have done that Smash store. There's no oh, yeah, because yeah. somebody did it. Yep. yep. And they're and they're doing well now. But uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for sticking around for the last two years. Um, and if you're not listening, you better start. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't count the uh, April Fool's show. Uh, our next show, the vacation show, will be our two-year anniversary. Two-year anniversary. Yep. So you better buy us something, people, or we're going to fight. I hope it's a big cookie. <laughs> no way you came from my loins. <laughs> They're going to misinterpret that and just not buy us anything because they want us to fight <laughs> like each other. Fight! We do that already. Yeah, ah, Duke. And... <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Yes. <laughs> You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Damn it, I muted my mic at the wrong time. I just belched. Force a habit. No, I was trying to eat something, and I muted it because I was going to take a bite, and then I burped instead. Uh, I regretted that decision. I regretted that one. I think that was (laughs) load-bearing. Josh collapses. (laughs) Under the sheer weight of his belch. Okay. He, collapsed, he collapses. It looks like Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black. He just. <laughs> oh. oh, you got my Edgar shirt. Got your Edgar shirt on. <laughs> Shut up, Pat. It's my Edgar shirt. <laughs> <laughs>